Hello and welcome to Fatal Error, episode 32. I'm one of your hosts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of your hosts? I didn't know what to say. Um, oh, like your name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to do like kind of positive, like I'm one of your hosts, Jewish Conlo. <laughs> Uh, how you doing, Chris? Uh, I'll be one of your hosts today. Uh, <laughs> hi, and I'm Chris. Uh, cool. So this is the show. Okay. So this, this week, it. well, before we start, I guess this is our first Patreon episode of this season. We want to give a shout out to everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. As we've said before, we we really do appreciate your support, and you are making it possible for us to produce the show. Literally, our Patreon supporters are the best. Literally, the best. The actual best. <laughs> it's true. No, we really uh, thank you very much for, for your help and support. So yeah. today, the thing that we thought we would talk about is something which is very relevant to me right now, and that's getting started in a new code base. Like, let's say you started a new job, as, as I have, and um, you're not familiar with the code base, or in my case, with the like 20 different code bases that make up various parts of a fairly complex data processing and storing and, and, and uh, web front end pipeline. Uh, where, where do you start, right? Absolutely. So, so you just started a job, and this job you said has 20 different like um, code bases? I mean, that's and some approximation, but I mean, offhand... Uh, yeah, tw- roughly two twenty, dozen. maybe generous, like maybe maybe fifteen or so different. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think um, especially like a lot of people listening to this when they start a new thing, they might have one, maybe two code bases, right? Like an iOS code base they got to get really familiar with, and then maybe like an API um, that they got to also like touch. Well, so these aren't necessarily giant code bases, right? Um, right. They're some of them. A lot of them are designed with kind of the Unix philosophy, where each of them does one thing and then. Uh, I mean, four or five of them are tools that you literally like run together and pipe a standard output from one into standard input of the next. And so they're not, uh, some of them are still pretty big, but it's not like they're, uh, they're, they're all iOS app sized code bases. But right. I I was imagining that they were all web services actually. No, but they're not. So only one of them, well, by only one of them is really a, a website. Uh, the others are all um, like internet scanning or data gathering, uh, and data processing, and database sort of tools. Gotcha. And you just run them locally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, so, how big is like a an example big one, and how small is a small one? So, looking at this here, the website that I mentioned that we run is right around forty thousand lines in total, and that's Python, and that count that I just ran this count here. So that may include some of the libraries and stuff. I'm not totally, uh, I don't remember the like structure of this, um, of this repository offhand. The one of our, the like main scanning tool is right around 17,000 lines. That's mainly in C. Uh, some of the other, one of the other tools is like a 60,000 line, uh, go tool. Um, And then other tools are like 16,000 lines of Python and like 1,000 lines of Python. So there's a, a range both in languages and in like code base size here. Right, yeah. So these are these are substantial code bases. They're not gigantic, but they're also not small by any means. Yeah, and I mean, some of them, like a thousand line Python tool, right? That's, that's pretty small. But uh, yeah. like, yeah, 15,000, 16,000 lines of C is not uh, trivial. No, that's not a small program. 
Interesting. Okay. So, so something around 15 to 20 repos where the big ones are like in the 50, 60,000 lines of code range. And then the small ones are maybe a thousand. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what have you, what have you like been doing to get into these code bases? Yeah. I mean, so the thing that I started with was, uh, with the help of uh, a couple of the, um, the students who work in this lab who wrote these tools, I started figuring out how to use these tools, right? Um, Since it's kind of like research software, it's not super well-documented. Perhaps even less well-documented than than many iOS apps are, if if you can believe that. (laughs) I can, I can indeed. And so just figuring out how, uh, what sorts of inputs and um, uh, command line parameters and uh, what sorts of outputs and output formats to expect was actually a, a non-trivial amount of work. So just understanding what each tool does by, by reading readmes and talking to people, uh, and maybe looking at like the main, um, you know, the main entry point for each code base, and trying to work back and and try to use each tool for what it's supposed to do to get some idea of what I'm looking at. Right, that's that's a good start. Gotcha. During- so first step, like actually figure out what the app does, or the app, the, the you know program, mm-hmm. um, and then start to use it and start to figure out like what it's sort of like capabilities and edges are. Yeah, exactly. And while I was doing that, I put together notes about uh, where documentation could be better. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't gone back and actually fixed and documented all that stuff, but at least I have a list of improvements. So that's a first step, right? Nice. Yep. And after that, I mean, so as I've started to actually make changes to these tools, um, there are a few different techniques that I'm using depending on, uh, to just depending on the problem at hand. So the first thing, and depending on the language that, that the tool's written in, the first mm-hmm. thing I've been doing, which works in pretty much any language, open like whatever main, uh, whatever main routine runs when you start the program and right. just try to trace um, just try to trace what happens given like whatever parameters that you've passed to it. Uh, and doing that, I mean, uh, I've, I've been doing with a lot of, uh, sometimes it's clear exactly, sometimes it's clear, you know, which module the code is calling into, and you can sort of navigate to this in the file system, depending on how things are organized. Sometimes just like project-wide search is, is really valuable. Um, right. right. Find everything that implements uh, a method with this name and work, work backward from there. Yeah, uh, a lot of gripping. A lot of gripping. That's, that's honestly a, a large part of what I've been doing. And that works even if you're not like starting from main, right? You just like have some idea that something needs to change uh, that has to do with some key phrase to like search for that phrase and figure out what calls that, which again, like gripping can help with and work from there. So there's kind of a lot of... Um, poking around uh, kind of in the dark with with project-wide search and, and grepping, right? Right. There are some other, like, useful techniques, though. There's a... So I've been using Atom, the, like, GitHub text editor, f- to work on all these code bases. At some point, I want to get at least the C code bases building w- uh, within Xcode, uh, if only so that I can use those cool refactoring tools that we saw at WWDC, right? Yeah, feel me. That seems amazing. But there's some some Go language plugins for Atom that make working with Go and Atom really nice. Like, you can command click on things and see uh, where they're defined. Um, and, and that's really useful when drilling down into a Go program, too. For sure. Yeah. When I'm working on Swift server stuff um, and I'm doing it in TextMate, I like just want to command click and option click everything. Yeah. 
And it's just, yeah, maybe I should just switch to Atom or something. And I think there are probably Atom pl- uh, Atom plugins for other languages that do things like this, but um, right. uh, that's probably harder with something like Python, but there must be a similar things for like C, for example, right? Yeah, it seems like it. And like something like Swift, where you have a pretty good sense of the static type of everything and you can kind of jump to the right thing. Yeah, well, I mean, Xcode, seems... Xcode does this in Swift now, yeah. right? right. So that's one of the techniques, um, or they're, they're, that's two of the techniques that I've been using. Um, and most of the work that I've been doing are in the Go and, and Python code bases. So that's, both of those have actually worked pretty well so far. Um, there are debuggers, obviously, for Go and C. I'm familiar with, uh, like, GDB in, in C land. Although I have to re-familiarize myself with the command line interface for GDB, right? Like, running something in a debugger just from the terminal is different from running it in a, de- in a debugger in Xcode. Uh, there, there are less buttons to click. Right, Xcode gives you so much stuff for free. Right. I maybe also have never actually debugged something in the command line. It's been a while for me. I've done it with like pry or whatever in Ruby where you just like put like pry in the code and then run it and then like give you a breakpoint there. But I've never like, yeah, like like spun up GDB, attach it to a process and then like added a breakpoint to a specific line and file. Yeah, it's been quite a while since I've done that. Uh, there's a Go debugger too, which is, nice. should come as no surprise, right? Which does I, it hook into Atom so that you can like put a breakpoint on a line? Or it does. There's a plugin that lets you do things like that. I haven't. Amazing. I haven't used it too much yet because I mean it's just something else to learn. And I mean, starting a new job, like I just have such a long list of things to things to learn and things to investigate. Like it's kind of overwhelming, right? Yeah, but, especially with so many languages. Yeah, yeah. Languages that I like haven't been using uh, really seriously in, in a couple of years, right? Yeah. But that's one thing that I have on my list is to dig into this Go debugger and the Atom plugin for it and figure out um, figure out how to use that. Because obviously, like using breakpoints and printing values out with a debugger and sort of poking around at, in a paused program can give you so much more information than just like looking at the source code and like log-based or printf-based debugging, right? Right. Especially with, you know, you got to build with some of these C things, like how long does that take? Python, maybe you don't have to worry about that as much, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's something. And the other thing is that I have to figure out how, like, if I want to use this Atom plugin for the Go debugger, how do I, like, pass the correct parameters and, like, pass input data to these tools when I'm running it from Atom? Like, I'm sure there's some interface for this, but I don't know what it is. Right, right. It's like yet another tool you got to figure out and learn. Yeah. And then I actually should check whether there's any sort of, like, interactive debugging for Python. I'm sure there is, but I have never, never looked into that. Yeah, I, I know it's tough too because like both Python and Ruby, you can like define methods at runtime. Yeah, and then how are you going to attach to those? Like, yeah, huh? Yeah. I've never tried this with uh, with Ruby either. Um, so totally new to me. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, like, what else would you be doing? What else, what recommendations do you have? Like, am I missing anything that that may be useful? No, I think you basically have it right. Okay. One other thing. So like my only experience with this is like, you know, you're contracting, you get a new client, client lasts a couple weeks, maybe two months. And you're like, I have to spin up on this as fast as possible and get productive as fast as possible. 
and um and then like essentially like throw that all away at the end of the at the end of the contract like once I've done the useful thing that the client wanted me to do. Yeah. Um and one thing that can be useful for that is just like completely ignoring everything that is not the thing you're trying to figure out at that exact time. Mm-hmm. So like if you're just trying to explore the code base and figure out what's what, then that's fine. Like, yeah, go nuts and just like it's kind of a playground, right? And um and try to like just see what what you see. But if you have like a task, just like trying to stay single-mindedly focused on like uh like for me it's really hard. Like I get distracted by different weird code spells and stuff. I see them like, oh like that's weird. Like, why does that happen? And then I want to go in and dig into it. But like I have to not do that. I have to just stay like super laser focused on the thing I'm trying to fix. And what that means is that, especially on some of these shorter contracts, you never really get a full state of the sense of the code in your head. You just sort of like, um, you just sort of constantly like have the sense of like, well, I don't know what's happening in 85% of this app, but I like do know how to fix the thing I need to fix. That I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that is a very familiar feeling for me right now. Yeah. Uh, it's been a yeah. few, several weeks now of knowing at least enough to figure out what I'm like, how to do what I'm trying to do, how to fix what I need to fix, but like not really knowing the whole system. And that's a new feeling for me. Like I've spent the last, I mean, since, uh, since college working at places long-term where you get to know the entire code base really well. Right. 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 And this is, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe I'll get there eventually here, but that's definitely something new here, but right. I'm glad you mentioned this, uh, trying to stay focused on what you're trying to do is, is really important. There have been a few like days where just like I spent the, uh, the entire afternoon going down some rabbit hole ba- that, yeah. uh, just exploring something that I saw, which, which is which can be helpful, right? I mean, I think that's probably good. Uh, I'm just trying to balance, at least because this is a like full time job. This isn't a two week contract, right? Right, exactly. Uh, so trying to balance that instinct with um, just trying to focus and get done whatever it is I needed I, I need to get done is uh, is a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. One other thing that I think could be kind of helpful in the same vein as this is. Uh, when you have a specific task to do, like just trying to do it regardless of whether or not like you have enough knowledge and if you regardless of like whether or not you're even going about it the right way based on the architecture of the app as a whole, just like trying to execute the thing you want to do and like observing how the thing breaks as you change it can I find give you like a ton of insight into the thing as a broader construct. That makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And something else that occurred to me while you were speaking was uh, just trying to fix something, um, regardless of how like how well it fits into the current architecture, uh, can be uh, can be useful because you can observe how things break, what other what, what other things get affected by this change. Uh, that can also, I mean. I, I'm again trying to balance that with with knowing when to ask questions, right? I'm right. I, I yeah. know about myself that I will not ask a question that I should ask for like an entire workday or two workdays, right? Because I'm like, I I can figure this out. I will figure out how this works. Um, make this happen. And then uh, eventually, you know, after like way, way, way too long, go and ask a question about, okay, so so what, what's going on here? Uh, yeah, that, that's actually a really, really important one that you brought up. There, I don't, we don't do a lot of live tweet readings here. 
um, on Fatal Error, but I do have a very good one, which I'll drop in the show notes. And the tweet is, when you start a new programming job, you have to walk right up to the biggest function in the yard and refactor it in front of everyone. <laughs> and this is just, this is like one of those things that like you, you start this new job and especially, um, I think for certain types of people, they're uh, afraid, they like, don't want, you don't want to show any, like I'm definitely one of these people, like you don't want to show any weakness, you want to show like I'm like a really confident, smart person. And so like asking questions um, at some points, like whether or not this is valid or not, can feel like showing weakness. Yeah. And so you end up in this situation where you're like, oh man, if I ask a question, they're going to think I'm dumb. But also like, should, not, should I be expected to know this? Like I just got here. And so like trying to balance, like also you're wasting someone else's time. Um, or you feel like you're wasting someone else's, right. someone and, else's time. And you're not wasting their time, right? right? And you just started a new a new job, a new project. Like it's it's okay to ask questions. But right, yeah. I like I just realized that I've backed myself or like talked myself into a corner by not asking a question for so long. And then yeah. um yeah. So so that's an important thing to do when you're starting getting started with an unfamiliar code base. Yeah. So on the flip side, I just want to add before we move on from from the topic of questions. If you're if you have someone who new who's starting on your team who's starting with your code base uh, with your twelve or fifteen different code bases, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's really important, especially I mean, especially if you're uh, if the person is is more junior or uh, like not well, even if they're a senior level program, like whatever, uh, to like encourage and be open to a lot of questions. Because I mean, really, that's that's going to be really useful, and they're going to get a lot of background information about about the software and about how it works and about why it's structured this way. And uh, it, you you can be off putting, and and it can be intimidating for people to ask questions, like making clear that that's um, welcomed and and encouraged, and uh, and and that that actually is something that you welcome and encourage is really super helpful. Yeah, for sure. And it's like it's one of those things where like a little bit of effort from the person who's been at the company a little bit longer ends up paying back in spades. So if you want to think of it as like an economics thing of like, no, no, I really have this project that's important. Like you're going to spin up this person who's new so much faster and they're going to add way more capacity to the team than like, like you've already added your capacity. Like you can enable another person to add their capacity. So even from like a, and you know, I'm really busy and I've got a lot of stuff to do, it makes sense to like answer a ton of questions. So yeah. If you, if you can answer questions, you should answer questions. Absolutely, yeah. If you can come up with questions that the person should ask but doesn't even like know to ask yet, that um, like just make a, a list or or talk through talk with them about things that they will probably find surprising as they dive into the code. And <laughs> right, um, apologize a lot. I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's that's really useful. And I mean, who I I hope that that the both of us and many of our listeners have have talked someone through through some part of a new code base and pointed out things that seem weird because they are weird and explained this is why this is weird and uh you know this in either we plan to change it at some point in the future or we we know not to touch this because x y and z right <laughs> right exactly we tried to touch this once in 2008 and it didn't go well so <laughs> <laughs> exactly abandon all hope ye who attempt to refactor yeah, here you monsters that's right so one other thing that that I thought of a little while ago, code review. Let's say that you have, through some combination of grep and uh, debuggers and the asking questions and um, just fix it, just trying to make this change regardless of uh, of how it works. 
uh, like hopefully you send a pull request and get feedback about how well this fits into the uh, the architecture of this app right does this work um i mean yeah does it does this code work right does it work right. as we expect it to are there other approaches that other people on the team would have taken uh this is something where both if you're a code reviewer, like this is obviously a good, like teachable moment, like help introduce this person to your code base again. Uh, and if you're the person sending the pull request, it uh, what, what I've been doing is call out specific things that I'm less sure about, right? Right. And say, hey, I, I don't know if this is really the right approach, uh, or I don't really know if this goes here. I could find examples that that uh, in the code base that do this in both of these different ways. So, like, why, how do we choose between them? Like, ask questions uh, and and call things out in the code review that are in your pull request that, that you want covered in the code review, right? Yeah. Definitely important, and not just for new people. Also, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think yeah. it's maybe a bit more important for new people, and there's a whole lot of uh, just sort of institutional knowledge, right? That, that yeah, they need unfair. to get. But we and we and uh, we actually did an episode on code review, which we'll add to the show notes for those of you who may not have heard. When did we do that episode? I don't remember, but I th- we definitely did. We one. definitely <laughs> did one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so code review. So how much? So how how many weeks have you been at this job? Uh, I started and on, uh, I, I think about six weeks now. Can you give a ballpark of how many pull requests you've opened, or like how many code reviews you've, you've initiated? Uh, it's not that many. It's maybe uh, five or six. Five or six. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. I mean, yeah. I, I spent the first basically two weeks just figuring out what a lot of these tools did and how to use them, and. Right. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been slow moving, um, honestly, and I mean some of those pull requests are mostly documentation. Some of them are like actual functional changes and fixes. Right. Yeah. So th- there's one thing that's that's kind of unique about your job compared with other uh, programming jobs. Mm-hmm. Where correct me if I'm wrong, but you were basically hired because of your expertise in maintaining software projects and like kind of your seniority in terms of like how much you know about different code bases and how much you can help people who's writing code for them is just a means to an end rather than any kind of end in itself. Yeah, I think, I think that is true. I mean, there are, I do have some ideas of research questions that, that I would like us to look at. Right. But that is a large part of why I was hired is because it's a group that consists of grad students and a postdoc and two undergrads. And even people in the group who are, you know, who are older than I am, don't have the same like professional software development experience. And so uh, some of their codes, you know, it it suffers in one way or another, just because uh, it's a different, we've had a very different set of experiences, right? Right, exactly. And so, essentially my, the the thing I'm curious about is like, since you have this slightly different role, since you're almost there to guide people into how to make their code more reusable or more maintainable or whatever, Mm -hmm. how does that affect sort of how you look into the, how you look at the code base and how you, um, like the eyes that you, the eyes that you look at it with? I'm, I mean, I'm definitely looking at it with a somewhat, somewhat critical eye all the time since i know that Mm -hmm. this is part of what i'm supposed to be doing is not just adding features and fixing things in software but also over the long term helping improve the quality so that people so that's more maintainable and so that it's more stable right 
Right. So I'm, I've definitely come at things with a slightly more critical eye. I'm trying to keep track of things that I notice that, that could be fixed as I notice them, right? Um, is that in a personal document or is that in some shared space? It's in a personal document right now. Uh, yep. it, it will not surprise you that a, a research group doesn't have a, um, a very formal ticket tracking system. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. I did not so, consider that. So there is a Trello board, but um, it that's a start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fine start. Uh, but the, it's not really a like backlog of future refactoring sort of Trello board. It's more of a, like, what is everyone working on right now sort of thing. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, in a past life, I also used to be in academia. I was getting a master's degree in bioengineering. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every form of engineering has some element of code in it these days. And so, and I was someone who, I wasn't great at this stuff by any means, but like I had a head for it. And, um, and you would see like people would write this code in MATLAB, mostly array and, and um, matrix manipulation of big numbers uh, and processing, fitting curves, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of statistical analysis. Um, but yeah, there was definitely, there was no concept of, of source control for one. Um, there was definitely no concept of issue tracking because nobody else could really see your code except like, you know, they would you know, look at your thesis once it was done and bound into like a book and they would flip to the back and all your code would be there as like kind of an appendix. Yeah. Like I think I, I kind of was expecting because this is a computer security research team that they would have some stuff in, in place for it. And they have Git, which is a right. far cry better we, than, we use than most things. Right. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and then like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not surprised that there's no um, issue tracking, but might be worth, especially if some of these projects are going to live in like really long-term ways, might be worth like trying to get more rigorous about that stuff. Right. And there, I mean, I, I, I might've like uh, uh, spoken too soon here. Like some of the code is open source and mm-hmm. uh, those GitHub repos do have uh, fairly active issues uh, where oh, nice. I probably, sh- where I have filed some sort of longer term issues and where I should probably be filing more things. But so there's that, there's Trello, but especially for closed source things, there's no like long-term backlog of stuff that needs to be refactored. And right. maybe I should just throw that up in Trello just so that it's public and not in, um, not in a personal document. This is probably more of a failing on my part than on uh, the, the, the group's part generally. I, I don't think it's, I, I think it has to be okay for you to keep private notes um, just because, you well, know, not yeah. everything can be prepared for, for public eyes immediately. And it's really hard when um, I've, I've worked on teams where they try to force you, like, if you have public private notes, just make them public immediately. Mm-hmm. And like, cause we want to see that stuff. That being said, like the more open, the better in as much as you can pull it off. Yeah. Um, so that might be, that might be an interesting things to do and see, see like what kind of people, what kind of feedback people have about it. Yeah. Cause people might say, Oh, I've been thinking about the exact same thing. Or they might say, Oh, I never considered doing it that way. I'm glad you brought this up. That's true. Like that. Yeah. That would be a good yeah. way to start some of these discussions and kick off some, some teachable moments e- go. either for everyone else or for me as to why whatever I'm talking about is the way it is. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, you mentioned there's public GitHub repos. Is that something we could link to in the show notes? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's very much not iOS related, but uh, <laughs> we'll throw links to uh, to those um, GitHub organizations in the show notes. That sounds good. Um, yeah. And is it stuff that like I could download and run myself? Uh, so, I mean, so some of it is. Yeah, uh, the 
the best documented thing is a is a like internet wide scanning tool, which mm-hmm. you need a decent internet connection to run and isn't really going to be that useful. But you could at least download and right. build it. Um, and yeah, mostly cool. their tools are uh, that are open source are designed to take the data that comes out of that and process it in one way or another. And those gotcha. really aren't super well documented. I, I've kind of concluded that those tools it's almost only possible to use if you like know somebody personally in this lab mm-hmm. um, yeah is that something that you would want to change over time or is that just like kind of how it's going to be uh, yeah it's absolutely something that uh, not just i but that everybody would like to change right things like reproducibility are right. are really important in um in the research community uh but there's just a long list of long list of things to do you know <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, one final thing that I wanted to make sure I asked is, uh, this is kind of a small question, but you, you mentioned documentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of command line tools, they have kind of conventions around, so say, how do you get the version of this tool? How do you get like the help for this tool? Like, what is the pattern of how you should add different flags and stuff? Yeah. Um, is that stuff set up in a good way? Or is it like kind of... It depends on the tool. So like C, Python, Go, I'll have libraries that do command line like parsing in a sane way and implement those sort of uh standards or ideas about how things work right right right. and we'll do things like print out a help page of all the documentation for you and so you can always get at least like a list of what options the program accepts in some cases the documentation that accompanies those options is less good than it is in other cases right (laughs) So nice. while you may be able to tell what arguments this program accepts, uh, certain combinations of arguments are invalid or like only certain combinations are valid. And that's really not very well documented either. Plus, you still have to have a good like high level idea of how the program works. And that uh, is more possible with some of these repositories than it is with others. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. So do you feel confident in the amount of like learning you've done in the last six weeks? I think so. Uh, I always feel like I should be learning more and moving faster. And it's impossible for me to tell whether that's reasonable or just me, you know, holding myself to an unreasonable standard. Yeah, I can kind of tell you that like everything I've ever worked on has always felt like that. And I think you're just the speed that you are and like... Mm -hmm. You want to go faster and, and suck the information in your brain faster, but it just takes time for everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe that's cool. a good note to end on. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time. Chris, it was a pleasure as always. And to our Patreon listeners, thank you so much for supporting us. Yeah. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, Sarush, it was great to talk to you. I think this was a really useful chat for me. And uh, I'll yeah. talk to you soon. Cool. Talk to you next week. Bye.